Ladies and gentlemen, your very own Michigan State Spartans. Goal scored by Fatai Alashe, Ryan Keener, and the cast. Let's hear it for your MSU Spartans, Rachel Van Poplen. Goal scored by Mary Catherine Fiebernitz. Few national team players here on the Seattle Sounders, Clint Dempsey, Eddie Johnson. Hello and welcome to Corner Kick. I'm your host, Jonathan Yales, and with me is Brooks Lambeer, um, a reporter for Corner Kick. We're both here to talk about MSU soccer, men's soccer, in their season review. Um, they lost last week to Notre Dame in the Elite Eight, which was the farthest they had been in that tournament for 45 years since the 1960s. Um, they lost 2-1 in a really close game, really cold game. Brooks was there live. Um, obviously, the whole team was there. It, it was it was a sad ending to what what was probably one of the best seasons in Michigan State soccer um, in a very long time. Um, they won 14 games, which was a record um, for most wins in a season. And they went 14-6-3. Um, seven and three and one at home, six two and two away. They played a really tough schedule against teams like Creighton, um, Penn State, Wisconsin, Indiana, Notre Dame, Michigan. Just great quality schedule. So it was a really tough year in that sense. But they still produced fourteen wins. So this is one of the better years ever. And we have Damon Rensing um, in an interview that we did just a little bit ago, and. He gives us a lot of insight into kind of how the season winded down um, with that Notre Dame game, his his reaction to it, and kind of what, what we're looking forward to, what the team's looking forward to um, next season, and kind of what the plans are. After that Notre Dame game, um, you know, what'd you kind of tell the guys in the locker room? Well, I, I told them a few things, you know, obviously very proud of them. You know, and, and I referenced the Valparaiso game. They lost Valparaiso early in the year, and I told them that they didn't have a right to be sad or or, or frustrated because I didn't think they put the work into winning that game. And so, and I, but I told, told them that they had every right to be extremely sad and, and disappointed because they put everything into the, the Notre Dame game. And, uh, and so, very proud of the effort, very proud of what um, that senior class did. You know how they represented Michigan State, and uh, you know it's so just mostly positive. I think the guys were obviously very down, but because uh, they were close enough to maybe continue to play, but I think they also deep down knew that they did a great job this year. And then just you know looking forward to you know next season, um, I guess in the off season, you know what do you expect your players to do to get back? to the level um, or back to the, you know, lead eight or hopefully the final four championship next year? Well, I, I think, you know, first of all, I think the focus is just on the Big Ten and getting back to the NCAA tournament. And then you can start to look at some of the other things. You can't get to an elite eight or a final four unless you're in the NCAA tournament. And that's hard. That's hard to do, even though um, that's an expectation of ours. It's, it's something that can be difficult to do. Um, looking looking forward to next year, um, Certainly, we got a lot of attacking pieces um, coming back with Montague, Kreutz, um, obviously Chapman, Satai, uh, Connerty, Dewey Lewis. There's a young man on the team, Jason Stacy, who had to sit out a year, um, could be transferred within the conference, but he'll be 
available play. He's a left-sided player. Um, you've got, you know, Cristobal. Uh, so we've got a lot of good pieces coming back. Um, certainly Ryan Keener, um, Andrew Herr, Zach Bennett. We definitely have a few voids to fill as well, and that's what the spring's for is to see who can step up. Um, certainly left back, you know, I think Ryan Thalen was Mr. Consistency and a little bit of an unsung hero. Um, played nearly every minute of every game for the last two seasons. So um, he did a lot of things that will be hard to replace. Brent McIntosh was one of the better players on the field these last few weeks um, in the postseason. So guys will have to step up. And then certainly, you know, Kevin Koch, who was just, just named third-team All-American, um, probably playing in MLS next year, will be missed. And not just because of his talent as a player, but he's a three-year captain and leader. So... We're going to have to, to work on some leadership. I think we definitely got the guys that can do that. We're going to have to find guys who can step up and fill those voids, and we're going to have to really work on some things defensively, I think, in the offseason. You're talking a lot about um, starting over and going into next season. How fast does that transition happen? Um, is it Was it immediately after the Notre Dame game? Do you, how, like, how long do you um, dwell on last season and start looking forward to next season? When does the work begin? I try not to think about soccer for a few days, actually. Um, but, uh, no, I mean, I, we're okay. I think, you know, now with the guys, as far as the coaching staff, I think we're always starting to look, you're always looking at things at your job. But the players are we're focused on finals, I think, this week. And then they need to just rest their bodies. They've been really good in an intense and, and difficult season physically and mentally. So I think what will happen is you'll see them go home and, and be with their families, and then when we come back, come back in January, we'll really start, we really start the 2014 season come mid-January. And what, what's the kickoff to in mid-January? What types of things will you guys be doing? Well, they, there's there's certain NC rules. We'll do a couple hours a week with the ball. Um, we'll stay fit, um, you know, and work in the, in the weight room. And, and we, we try to focus more on the individual stuff in January, February, March. Um, that, that's the time of year to really improve as an individual in the off-season. And then come come uh, March and April, we, we start to focus on the team again, and do a little bit of both. But um, you know that's that's the focus. I think the other thing is, is we, we need to see. I think we definitely have some capable leaders on the team, um, but I think that identity has to continue to grow and develop throughout the spring too to see who our leaders will be for the following fall. Uh, Coach, just looking back on the season, uh, what would you say would be the greatest moment of the season? Well, I, I think, you know, um, there's a few, but I think, you know, beating Georgetown at Georgetown at number 16, um, being with those guys, the whole team after the game, seeing them put everything together and put their put everything on the line and see them succeed. And, and I, I just felt like this team deserved that type of result. Um, and just being on the plane back with them, I think, just seeing them in a good mood on the bus to the plane, them singing. So that, that whole... That whole 24 hours was was great. And then, just what's you know worst moment of the season? The worst moment of the season, honestly, was it was bittersweet, but just to to know that with after that with that final whistle blew at the Notre Dame game, just knowing that this was the last opportunity to work with this group. I think the last opportunity for myself, my coaching staff, to work with Kevin Cope, Ryan Taylor, and Wesley Curtis, Cody Henderson. Bryce Dobbins and Brent McIntosh, those seniors, just to see, to see them, just gutted, 
you know, for us coaches, there's always another year. Um, but for those seniors, that was their last game as a Michigan State athlete, and I think that's um, that's powerful, and that was that was difficult. Uh, as far as next season's schedule, are you still trying to um, plan some more games? Do you have it figured out? You know, what, what does it look like next year for next yeah. fall? We always tweak a couple non-conference games. Like, we played Akron this year. I don't think we'll do that. I mean, the biggest, we always play Akron, Notre Dame, University of Illinois, Chicago is very good, Oakland, Bowling Green, Western Michigan. You know, I think then you throw in, uh, you throw in Maryland and Rutgers coming into the Big Ten Conference, and Maryland's playing in the Final Four this evening. Um, so Rutgers has got a, a ton of tradition. Alexi Lowell's played there. They've won national titles, and they, they've got a great coaching staff. So um, you have those two games to a, a already competitive Big Ten, and that's going to be uh, one of the best conferences in the country. Speaking about the seniors that you said it's going to be difficult to let go, um, where do you see some of them going just off the field? If you could just let – the listeners kind of know about some things maybe that they don't know about, like a Wesley Curtis or someone like that who um, isn't the Kevin Cope where everyone's heard his name, everyone knows something, but something off the field that's kind of surprising. Yeah, you know, um, they're all good students, and, and they're all above the 3.0. Um, they all do really well. You know, I think you'll see Kevin playing in the MLS. Um, I think you might see Brent McIntosh try to pursue that or maybe play in a little – uh, maybe a, a minor league soccer. Wesley Curtis has always wanted to be a Navy SEAL, and I think you'll see him pursue that. Um, Ryan Thalen uh, had a great internship with Quicken Loans in Detroit. I may try to stay with that company. Bryce Dobbins is kind of our, you know, he did the Join the Chain uh, video for the team, and he's really savvy with the computer and Internet. I know he's trying to work in that type of field, so you'll see him go on and do do good things there. Um, Cody Henderson will be applying to med school, you know, I think. So, you know, that's one of the things that I'm, we're, we're very proud of is that I think these guys were great soccer players and had great careers, but I think you don't have to worry about them succeeding in life because I think they're all good students. they got a good head on their shoulders, and um, they'll be successful. You know, as you're telling us all these wonderful things these guys are going to do after their career at Michigan State, you know, how, how attached do you become to these players after, you know, four or five years of coaching them? You become pretty attached. You know, I think, I, it's, I don't know if attached is the word, but, you know, one of the neat things about, I think, coaching college athletics is you really get to form relationships that are lifelong. So even from a coach to a, to a student athlete, um, because the kids are old enough, they're mature enough, and you see some of them, those things develop, and you, you get to, you really get to, to forge a relationship with them, and that lasts a lifetime. So, um, you know, it'll be different not seeing, you know, Kevin on the training field or Ryan Thalen or Bryce Dobbins, but, um, you know, I think what you will see is those guys come back. And so it's not really an end. It's just it's a different thing. They're part of a soccer family um, that they'll have for their lifetime, and uh, we'll see them back at different things. They just won't be wearing a jersey and, and playing on the field. Speaking about Kevin Cope, how exciting is it to possibly have one of your players go into the top soccer league in the country? It's exciting. You know, I think it, it shows that we, we as a program are doing some things right to develop players. Um, I think it's certainly a testament to Kevin's work rate. Um, you know, obviously, Rashawn McKenzie is playing with the Portland Timbers. I was an assistant coach with Joe Baum when he, he played. 
Um, but it's something that, you know, when it's your own player, your head coach, it's something that you're certainly proud of and, and you just want to wish him all the best and hope he stays healthy and gets every shot to be the best player he can be. Is that one of the goals? Um, one of the goals of the Michigan State program is to start getting more players into the pros? Well, I would say it's a byproduct. I don't know if it's a goal. I mean, our goal is to represent Michigan State to play the best brand of soccer we can play, to be competitive, to do things the right way, and, and to develop players on the field and off the field. So if you're doing those things, chances are um, you'll have some kids go to the MLS for sure. Um, but we don't set out with the intentions of making pros. Um, we set out the intentions of winning championships, being a team, developing players. And I think when you have that mentality, you will see players become pros. Uh, what's the you know recruiting recruiting class look like for this upcoming season? Uh, that's something I can't comment on because they haven't signed the national letter of intent, which is in February. So I can't make any public comments about who we have coming in or or what they're about. Okay. So unfortunately, sorry, I can't answer that question. Sorry. But what's the process like for you? Um, is it a lot of traveling for you? Is it um, Ben and Kylie going around, or is it just you? Is it you guys as a group? What's what's the whole yeah. recruiting process as a program? Yeah, we're always we're always recruiting. We all do it together. Um, Kylie, Ben, and myself. Actually, Kylie and I are, as we speak, are in Sarasota, Florida, for the Academy Showcase, which is one of the biggest events. There's probably three thousand players from all over the country down here, um, and so we're watching watching games um, for the last few days. So um, we're always looking. We're always trying to find the best players in the state of Michigan. That's where we start, and then we go into the Midwest. You know, like uh, Illinois. Ohio, Indiana, even like Ontario, um, and then um, if we still like we feel needs, we got to keep branching out. We'll continue to do that as well. Uh, and then you know, with the success of you getting to to the Elite Eight, is that a big selling point? You know, for this upcoming recruiting season. Yeah, I would think so. I think you know, kids these days with Twitter and Facebook and the social media and, and internet. I mean, just they, they're just aware of everything. They're more. Uh, educated on what teams are doing well, what's not. They get to see highlights. They get to see, you know, crowds and Big Ten Network. So all that combined, I think, yes, that's definitely definitely a benefit for us. Um, well, on a more light base, on away from recruiting and away from um, the end of the season, what, what was just some of the funner moments of this year, like the funny moments off the field or um, just, just away from the soccer field completely? Gosh, you know, it's one of those things where we have, I feel like we have one almost every day. It's really a good group. we got a great balance. Um, certainly Ben Myers leading, uh, oh, when the Saints go on the bus, they sing that um, on the road trips. Um, Fatai is really can be a funny guy. Um, Jerome Cristobal. So there's there's a lot of, uh, a lot of funny moments. Um, I don't know if I have one specifically off the top of my head, but... They really had a good balance. This team had a lot of personality, and I like that. I like teams. I don't want to try to draw personality out of teams. I want to have guys that are have got a lot of personality and something maybe we've got to keep an eye on, but it's much easier to do that, and there's a lot of confidence and fun with these guys. Um, you know, I think, I think that's it for now, Coach. Um, you know, we appreciate your time, and, uh, you know, good luck with the recruiting, and, you know, have a good holiday, and, like we said, we'd like to continue the uh, reporting process, you know, after you guys get back and 
you know, your training and talk about recruiting, you know, when the right time is for that. So um, thank you. No, thank you guys. Have a good holidays. And we really, we really do appreciate all the support that you, you guys did at the impact to, to follow us, the time, the interviews. Um, that's great for our guys. And that's certainly a benefit to our program as well. So good luck. And uh, thanks again. Thank you. Thank you, coach. All right, that was head coach Damon Rensing of the Michigan State Spartans. He had a lot of good things to say, um, but we're going to jump right back into things, and we're going to talk about a little bit about the Spartans, um, their season in review, their last game, their loss against Notre Dame in the Elite Eight in South Bend. Um, I'm here with Brooks Lambeer, who was at the game in Notre Dame. Um, he was covering it for corner kick, and I, Brooks, I just want to know kind of what – what did you see in that game from a personal standpoint? You were there live, so maybe fans at home following online can't see the weather, if that played a factor. I know it's a late November game, so or early December. Um, you know, I, I've, the weather affected both teams. You know, asking Rensing or the players about it, it they thought it was going to – they pretty much told me that it was affecting both teams – uh, there was no, you know, that that's not an excuse for either, you know, for either of them. But what I can say about the game in particular, uh, Notre Dame jumped out to a very strong start. Uh, they put a lot of pressure on the MSU defense, a lot of shots, uh, a lot of great opportunities. You know, Harrison Ship, uh, the great uh, forward for Notre Dame, uh, the senior forward, uh, had a great shot in the 23rd minute that you know ringed off the crossbar, a hard shot outside the 18, you know, and then seven minutes later, off a corner kick, Michigan State can't clear, and uh, uh, his, uh, Evan Pankin ends up putting the ball in the back of the net, uh, and then at the start of the second half, you know, two minutes in, uh, MSU is defending, and Patrick O'Dan's coming down, you know, coming down the field, and probably just inside the eight at the top, just inside of the 18-yard box to the top of it. Uh, Hodan hits a great shot that there's no way Zach Bennett could possibly get to. Uh, you know, it skipped on the ground, uh, dinged off the inside of the far post. You know, and being down 2-0 at that point, it's going to be difficult for them to come back. They fought resiliently, but unfortunately, you know, they just couldn't finish, you know, get another get a second goal after a great headed goal by uh, Jay Chapman. Do you think if they would have been able to get that equalizer after the first goal that it would have been a totally different game? Um, or do you think just Notre Dame was better on the night and it would have worked in their favor either way? Uh, if they had equalized, it would have been a very interesting game because I felt like the momentum was with Michigan State after they scored that after they scored their first goal. They put a lot of pressure on Notre Dame. You could tell that they wanted to get the ball back in Notre Dame's half, especially on corners. Zach Bennett was really coming out and trying to grab the ball. Uh, he missed it a couple of times, which was a little scary. But, um, no, you could really tell that they wanted to put the pressure on, and they had a lot of chances. After Chapman scored his goal, he had a great opportunity off a corner kick. The ball deflected back out to the top of the 18. And Chapman, I can't remember if it was off a volley or if he settled it and shot it, but it, it was at the top of the 18, and he shot it, and it just went wide, of, wide right of the goal. 
so there was that opportunity. And then obviously in the last minute with McIntosh uh, going on the sideline and Kreutz making a run to the near post, he tries to flick it on, but unfortunately hits hits the near post on the outside and goes out of bounds. And then also, I, f- I always forget this, Andrew Herr had a great opportunity when he came in. Uh, that was probably about 10 minutes left in the game. I'm not, I'm not exactly sure. But it was towards the end of the towards the end of the game in the second half where Andrew Herr came on and he had a great shot was with his left foot and Patrick uh, and Patrick Wall had to make a great save on her uh, so they had their opportunities it's just you know, they just couldn't finish it unfortunately and just thinking back on this season now um, this was possibly one of the best seasons in Michigan State soccer history men's soccer history. Um, they set the record for the most wins in a season with 14. Um, they went to the Elite Eight for the first time in 45 years. So to have the privilege to be able to cover them for myself and for you, um, it was, it was pretty exciting to be able to jump right into a sport and ride a team into the Elite Eight and lose to a, a Notre Dame team that's sitting, waiting to play in the national championship right now. So we might have only lost to the national championship, which is something really positive. And uh, I think there was a lot, obviously a lot of positives to come out of this Michigan State soccer team. Um, Coach Rensing was named Coach of the Year for the region. Um, Assistant Kylie Stanyard was, uh, he was also awarded Assistant of the Year. Uh, Multiple players have been awarded um, Player of the Year in Cope, Kreutz, and Chapman, um, Kevin Cope, Jay Chapman, and Tim Kreutz. Um, they all got region of the year. And um, it's just overall for the program, as you heard from Damon, he's he's just very proud of where this program's going and how it's building upon itself to produce players like a Kevin Cope who's going into the MLS draft, um, just or just quality civilians going outside of the field and just producing well-rounded athletes and students um so i obviously this is going in the right direction and obviously it's an upward swing but just overall how did you think what was your opinion of just covering this team um kind of like how fun was it how, how was it sad like you were at the notre dame game i didn't get to go to the notre dame game so you you had to experience the last game for senior the six seniors and just the overall defeat of that um but i i had a blast covering it so i just what is your opinion on it uh, you know i mean we jumped in half with the like oh well we missed like the first quarter of the season you and i you know um but you know it's because you know we just started up here but to my point um it was sad seeing that team lose the way they did in Notre Dame. This is the fourth straight time they've lost to Notre Dame. And you could see on their faces and their reactions after the whistle blew that they let this one get away. But they fought resiliently. And I th- and that's something if I'm a player and or I'm the coach of the team, you know, I'm sure Rensing's very proud of it. That's something I would take away is my team is resilient. They fought being down two zero and that's not easy. I mean games are very dangerous when teams are up two zero as well, because they can change quickly, uh, as you as they as that almost happened when they were playing at Notre Dame. But overall, like you said, 
most wins in program history. I think that's a great accomplishment. Like Rensing said, this team has character, and they bond well together. And I think that's something that, as a coach and as a player on the team, you want to continue that, and you want to take that away from this wonderful from this wonderful season they had. And even covering them, I noticed a great camaraderie between all of them, and I think that's wonderful. And I, you know, I think that's how te- you get far in NCAA tournaments, and you get through an entire season. Is you have to, you have to, you know, everyone has to mold together, get along, you know, not just with with each other, meaning the players, but also the coaching staff. Yeah, that, I I would agree. I think that is the way these the the good teams are the way you win national championships the way you get to the big 10 uh championship you have to be a solid team on the field and off the field um and i think that's what allowed michigan state to get so far this year was they had those great relationships between um all the different players earlier in the season we were talking with the defense and you 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 found out that they were all great buddies off the field they all hung out together they were all best friends um, and that probably helped them to be one of the best defenses in the Big Ten um, and also the country. So just those relationships, I think, are important. And I think that's going to be the key for Rensing and for the coaching staff, who also has that um, relationship, to continue that into next season. Because now you lose six seniors. Um, you lose Kevin Cope, your captain, um, and arguably your best player. You you lose Ryan Thalen, who was also a defender. Um, who was part of one of the best defenses at Michigan State. Um, you lose Brent McIntosh, who was a starter all year in the midfield. So th- that's three starters you're losing right there. And then you're also losing um, three key bench guys in Wesley Curtis, who played a strong role um, at the end of the season, especially the Michigan game and into the Big Ten tournament. Um, you also lose midfielder Cody Henderson and goalkeeper Bryce Dobbins, um, who Bennett said himself was – one of the reasons he became the player he is today um and he gives a lot of credit to Bryce Dobbins um so those are all those are a lot of leaders and a lot of great players that they're losing so I'm kind of curious to see how it's going to transition and how they're going to replace those guys um going into the 2014 season because that that, the difficulty in not only college soccer but just sports in general is consistency and if this was a fluke and this was the one time you got the great team together, um, the the real test is what they're going to be next year. And I think that's going to be the interesting part about this team is to see if Renzi can continue that development with the freshmen coming in of creating the team atmosphere and just continuing the program built. And I think, I think they'll be able to do it. Um, but getting into those seniors. So we're losing Kevin Cope. They're losing Ryan Thalen and Brett McIntosh. Those are three seniors um, that won't be able to play anymore. Um, Kevin Cope was their best defender all year. He was their le- arguably the best leader um, that a lot of these guys have ever played for. Um, so when you lose someone like that, I think it's it's going to be difficult to replace that in any sense. Um, so I think they're going to be looking towards guys like Orion Keener on the back line as well. Um a Jay Chapman in the midfield to step up as a junior, uh, Tim Kreutz, who's been there for a long time. Those guys like that who are going to have to step up and become that one leader who can continue to get this team through those difficult win- or difficult losses and get through those um, difficult games. 
Um, but what I want to know from you, Brooks, kind of like what is – I know it's just predictions, and we've only been covering this team for a year, but how do you see these positions being replaced? We're losing two guys on the back line um, in Cope and Thalen, and you're losing a strong midfielder, a winger, and Brent McIntosh. Who do you think is going to step into it? Is it going to be a Fatai Alashe? Is it going to be um, – just a Ryan Keener stepping up in the position he's already been and just become a better player? Um, is it going to be people we haven't heard of, like a Ben Myers or a um, Cody Henderson or any anything like that? Who who do you think is going to step up? I mean, I definitely think Andrew Herr is someone to look out for next year, whether he's a defenseman or if he is playing in the midfield because he's done both and he showed a lot in that Notre Dame game he showed a lot that he can beat people one-on-one he can make a difference especially you know with almost getting that late goal in that game I think Andrew Hurst someone to look out for and definitely Ben Myers had had some um playing time this year maybe an Asa Miller who started who played a little at the beginning this year uh you know, maybe Fatai drops back on the defensive line. I'm sure Renstein probably wants to keep him in the midfield for offensive, you know, because he's great from scoring from 18-plus. You know, so it's it'll be interesting to see. Maybe a freshman steps up next year. Maybe, you know, one of these guys didn't get a chance. These redshirt freshmen or sophomores will step up as well. So it'll be interesting to see. But I, I think these, they can be, they have good players that will replace these players they had. Just a quick note, I th- I think it'll be interesting to see what a player like Dewey Lewis will do. Um, he had a lot of hype coming in as Mr. Michigan, uh, or Mr. Soccer in Michigan, um, and he started a lot of the early games, um, and he played pretty well. Um, he faded in the middle of the season, and he was replaced by some guys, but I, I think he could be a huge part of next season. Um, and I also think just in general, I think the offense is going to be a huge part of next year. I think they have a very, very good chance of producing more goals than they did this year with the experience um, and just the health coming back, getting Montague, um, hopefully for a whole season, getting uh, Kreutz up there again. I think Kreutz will be their leading scorer, um, but I think they'll be able to score more. And I think that's going to be the key to the whole season is if they can get a high-powered offense. Um, I think their defense... They won't take a step back, um, in a sense, but I think they'll they won't have the numbers that they had this year. But just losing a cope, but they still have great players, um, and they still have Bennett in goal, who is going to be one of the best goalkeepers in the Big Ten um, as only a junior. So going forward, um, talking more specifically about one specific senior, um, Kevin Cope, uh, he is announced to go into the combine for the MLS, um, which is in mid-January. And a few websites and commentators online have already put out their mock drafts. Um, MLSdraft.com has him going number 15 overall to the New York Red Bulls. Um, So that's the very end of the first round. And uh, Soccer by Ives has him going number seven, not going number 17. He has them on his big board of kind of like the best players, not specifically where they're going in the draft, but just um, ranking the players by the most, um, the best skills and the most productive they'll be in the league. He has him number 17 overall this season. Um, so 17 overall would put him with like a team like the Portland Timbers. So pretty much everyone um, 
in the soccer world, MLS soccer world, is thinking he's going currently at the end of the first round, um, which would place him with most most likely a better team in the MLS right now as the way the draft is set up. Um, so he could be with the Red Bulls and New York, Dy- uh, not New York, uh, Houston Dynamo, Portland Timbers, Real Salt Lake, New England Revolution. Um, if he slips into the second round, he's going to get put with uh, Toronto FC, um, Columbus Crew, those types of teams. Um, so obviously we have no idea where he's going to go. Um, and really no one has any idea where any of these guys are going. It's very hard to predict the MLS draft. But just from a standpoint, like this is the first time since I think Rashawn um, is going to be – a Spartan is going to be drafted into the MLS. Um, which is really exciting. I, I'm I'm excited about that. Just from being a Spartan um, and seeing someone go to a professional league, it doesn't happen that often. Think of how many uh, football players go in the NFL in higher in the high higher rounds of the draft, or how many basketball players. Um, it's a it's a really difficult thing to get into a professional league. I think I saw a few weeks ago that college soccer to get from college soccer to the pros, um, it's like the hardest of any sport to get from high school all the way into the pros you have like a 0.4 percent chance of doing that which is lower than football lower than basketball um which is kind of surprising so it's really difficult to get into the mls or a european league starting in america um but what type of hopes do you think kevin cope has for this mls draft do you see him going in the end of the first round do you think i'm dropping to a second round um does it really matter? Do you think this, this this type of guy will go anywhere and succeed? Do you think it's going to be difficult just based off the Big Ten schedule and how he's played? What's your opinion? I know we're not experts on the MLS or the whole league of college soccer, but just for fun, where do you think he's going to go? Um, I mean, I, for, I think the projections are pretty good, you know, low, end of first round, high second round. Honestly, I don't think, I don't think Kevin's worried about money because he knows he's finished his degree, and he's got a degree in finance. So he and he seems like a very smart kid, from what Rensing tells us. And a lot of the players are very academically sound on this Spartans team, and they finish their degrees. So it's not a thing of where Kevin. And I think he'll go the end and the first, like I said, end of first round, beginning of second. But I don't, you know, Kevin probably want to go in the first round. But I don't think he'd be disappointed if you know if he got drafted by any team and had a chance to play and make the team. Yeah, I think it's exciting just for the program and for him, for his, his self um, confidence that getting drafted anywhere is exciting. Um, yeah, when you're at the higher levels, you you get fixated on trying to get into the first round. But uh, I think in the end, anyone would be happy getting drafted anywhere in the MLS. And you can always work your way up. Guys do that all the time. So I think. I, I see him dropping to the second round, um, but again, I'm no expert. Um, but just based off of the teams that are there, um, his position based off the other defenders in the the draft, I think he'll just fall a little farther. Um, but I'll be pleasantly surprised if he goes in the first round. Um, but yeah, so that that's pretty much a season review. We You heard from Coach. Um, a lot of positive things have been happening with him, or with msu soccer probably one of the best seasons in 45 50 years since we've been to the national championship in the 60s um so everything's on the upswing um we're only losing six seniors three starters 
Damon Rensing's confident that he can replace them and the team camaraderie can continue to be where it's at. Um, Kevin Cope's going to the MLS. End of the first round, top of the second round, which is huge for this school. Um, I'm sure not a lot of people know about it, but come January, I think everyone will know about it, even the non-soccer fans, because that's um, a sport that not many people hear of, and someone getting drafted in the first round is a huge deal. Um, and the soccer fans will love it. I know they will. The Red Cedar Rowdies will love it. Um, I'm sure they'll buy a Kevin Cope soccer jersey if they can for the Red Bulls or whatever team it may be. Um, and I know Anthony Serafino will definitely buy a Red Bulls <laughs> Cope jersey if that ever happened. Um, but yeah, that's going to do it for our season recap. Um, you can listen to us at Impact Sports. Um, we're Corner Kick. My name's Jonathan Yales. I'm the host of Corner Kick and a one of the reporters for it and to my left is brooks lambeer who is also a reporter and we'll be here all off season we'll be covering them for the summer throughout all their workouts um all their scrimmages so don't think we're disappearing we'll be here